good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Oh, let me get that one, please, Skip. Yes, sir. I think it feels so weird that I'm up here and I don't have to use my hand to hold the microphone. Everybody uh, look in the back and wave to Eric. Hey, Eric. Okay, Eric and his family came and have been attending here, and anytime his family comes up and visits from down south, they come and they worship here with us. And last week, they saw the microphone difficulties of me trying to write and hold a mic and do things, so they blessed the church with this really cool lapel set up mic, and we got it set up this morning, so we're hands-free. So we're super excited about that. Uh, if I could get my young ladies to come up and help uh, hand out the elements for communion, we're doing communion today. The boys are doing it today. Children's Church did not get dismissed. Boys, come on up. Singling them out right there. Okay, guys, serve everybody and then get me and ourselves last. All right. You know, I, uh, I prepared my, my notes for today. I prepared my notes for today, and I, I, I think I wrote three different ways of doing this. Um, I praise God. I praise God that he's given me the creative ability to think that way. Because I wrote something, and I'm like, no, I don't want to go that way. And I just scrapped it. I didn't scrap it. I saved it into another file for another day. But then I just went into it again, and I kept looking at it. And I'm like, I'm even, I'm, I'm even up here like contemplating, like, did I want to cover and go through all this stuff that I wrote still? You know, and uh, I just think about, I keep just, I keep thinking about today and I just keep thinking about being in season and out of season. In season and out of season. What does that look like for the believer? What did that look like in the life of Joseph? Because that's where we are. I'd like to focus on that. What did it look like to be in season and out of season for the life of Joseph? Because here's Joseph. He's been locked away in a prison now. Remember, he had these two dreams, and he'd envisioned that his brothers and his father were going to bow down to him. And he envisioned grains, where the grains would bow to his grain, and it would be greater. And when he told and he shared this dream, he got ridiculed for it. And remember, he wore the special robe of his father because Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel, the woman that Jacob desired. So Joseph was special to Jacob. Joseph felt special, right? And all that changed for Joseph. Joseph was in season when he had those dreams, right? He was in season. He was like, I'm the chosen one. I got my fancy robe. My dad loves me. I'm the guy that my dad says, go check on what my brothers are doing. Don't forget about me, guys. And in the back, too. I'm the guy, right? That's, that's the way that Joseph felt. And in, a, and in a moment's notice, when he went to go check on his brothers for a second time, probably to come back with a bad report, he went to check a second time, and his brothers plotted to kill him. And then Reuben, who wanted to redeem himself, said, let's not do that. Let's just throw him in this pit. But he planned to sneak back around and take him out and return him to his father 
to get back in his father's good graces. But then along the way, thank you, sir. And don't forget about you. Up here, buddy. So, so, I'm in the weeds here in my mindset. Oh, man, look at that. One left for me and you. I'll take this little piece and you get the bigger one, okay? That one's you. So, all right, let's just pause here. We're holding our elements, yes? Okay. We practice communion here. Jesus said at the Last Supper to do this in remembrance of me. We do this every month to remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for us. Right here in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this bread. I thank you for this cup, Lord. I thank you that we partake each time in this, Lord, in your death and in your resurrection, Lord, that you went on to the cross for us, Lord, to forgive us of the sins that we cannot cleanse ourselves of, Lord, and that you cleansed us, Lord. You made us white as snow, Lord. We do this in remembrance of what you did for us, Lord. We thank you in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may take the bread and then drink. Thank you, Lord. So Joseph was the golden child, right, until all this happened to him. So he was in season, but now he feels like he just got cut from the team. I love, I would say that in the last 20 years, my heart going to God, I don't spend a lot of time watching sports, but I love sports. I love competition. That's what I love. I love competition. Your pastor does not believe in participation trophies. I do not. I believe in winners and losers, and losers work harder so they can win and feel good about winning. I'm sorry. I love you. That's cleared up. So I always think athletically, and I compete in powerlifting. And when I go out there, I want to lift more weight than everybody that's going to be in my category. When I play golf with my sons, whom I love very much, I want them to feel like I'm standing on their neck as I'm putting for birdie. My own sons. I am competitive. I do not like to lose. I like to win. Okay, right? Nothing wrong with that. It's okay, because when we lose, we learn something. When you get a participation trophy, you learn something different. My opinion. I love you all. So Joseph has feel like he's been cut from the team. And he makes his way to Egypt. He's sold by some Ishmaelites to Potiphar. And all of a sudden at Potiphar's house, now he's in Egypt. He's like, I don't have my father's robe. I don't have the, gra the grace and mercy of being in my father's house. It's been taken from me. And now 
Now I'm being risen up here in this house. So maybe those dreams that God showed me were true. Because when something like that happens in your life, you immediately do the D word. Doubt. Doubt set in here for Joseph. He's like, dude, what happened, God? You showed me this really cool dream, and right when I told everybody about it, everything went the other way. In fact, it looks as if if I were to see as far into the future as I think I can see, it in no way ends up with me ending up with the dream you showed me. Right? So the big D word pops up in his mind, doubt. Now, while in Potiphar's house, what happens to Joseph? He's put in charge of everything. And Potiphar's wife comes on to Joseph, and Joseph, with all the integrity, which is why he's God's guy, he's God's guy, he's going to be the first image of a savior, Joseph, with all the integrity in the world, says, my God has risen me up to this place, my God has put me in charge of everything that's here, your husband has given me reign over everything in his house except you, I could never do that. He had all the integrity and honor. And for that, he was thrown in prison because she falsely accused him. Right? Now the big D word pops back up again. Now it's even worse. At first I was just a slave with the Ishmaelites. They sold me over here to somebody who had some money. Now I'm in prison in a foreign land. And he spent some time there because the Bible used the word while. And then remember when those two guys came last week and he had this first vision of a dream? This is the interpretation. See, I just went off my notes. This didn't even happen. I felt like that was going to happen today. Wrote it three different ways, printed one of three, and I'm not even doing the one. So, thank you, Lord. So, here he is. He's now in jail. And these guys come to him last week that we talked about with their dreams. And Joseph spoke the truth, yes? Hey, your dream means that in three days, Pharaoh's going to lift you back up to the place you had, and you're going to put the drink back into his hand again, the cupbearer. Well, what about my dream? In three days, Pharaoh's going to take your head off your body and put it up, and the birds are going to eat your your head from a basket. Thanks for that motivation. I'm really looking forward to that. But Joseph spoke the truth. And what happened? Everything Joseph predicted happened. That gave Joseph a glimmer of hope again for his original dreams. His doubt lifted a little bit. Right? Now then, we look, and Joseph said what to the kept-bearer before when he got released? Hey, don't forget about me. Now Joseph believes and felt that the cupbearer forgot about him, yes? Because the cupbearer got out, he was lifted back up, and he didn't tell Pharaoh about Joseph. But he does. Later. Bill? Yes, no, and? Later. God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, and later. I'll tell you this every week until you tell it back to me one day. Yes, no, and later, and you don't hear no or later very well at all. No and later sound like there's no God. So, Joseph this week is going to be called out of jail because the cupbearer is going to remember Joseph. 
And he's going to interpret something huge. Huge, huge, huge. Something that's going to impact the land so much that later it's going to reunite him to his family as their savior. So, you all know the clocks change today, right? Most of you live by digital devices, so it just changed automatically. I, however, jumped ahead of the game and set the three downstairs clocks to the right time so that my wife doesn't have to tell me two months from now that they are still wrong. I did, babe. I did it this morning. Changed all the clocks. Because I have a bad habit of leaving them. Thank you, Skip. And you all know that we're about to enter a cold season, right? Because you listen to the weatherman, right? No. You know why you know the cold season's coming? Because you've been dealing with it year after year. But in the 1929, 1930, this country suffered a Great Depression that nobody saw coming. In 2008, this country suffered a recession where people lost their homes with loans they should have never had. And nobody saw it coming. Right now, we're in a worldwide global pandemic recession. And nobody knows what's going to happen. But are you prepared? How prepared are you for what is happening? You weren't prepared for gas prices to go up to $7 a gallon a couple months ago, were you? You didn't have extra money in your savings to cover that. Some of you might. You can see what I'm trying to get at? You weren't prepared for get milk to be $4.30 a gallon at the power market. You were not prepared. This country's like Egypt. This world we live in is like Egypt. Ten plus gods, wizards and sorcerers. We call them senators and governors. They're telling you everything that's happening. Everything that's going to happen. But you know what they sound like? The same guys that are going to help Pharaoh, his wizards and his sorcerers and his magicians and his council. You know what they're going to tell him when he says, what does my dream mean? We have no idea. Because the interpretation of what's happening in this world is God and God alone. Joseph said that last week. And Joseph's going to repeat that today. Well, I really did go off my notes. That's good. We are living in a godless time. We are living in a godless generation. The Bible warned us. Yes? 2 Timothy spells it out. Or 1 Timothy. Listen to this. I'm sure you might have heard this before, but I'm going to share it with you. And I'll say it real slow. Hard men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make hard men. And hard men again make good times. 
What kind of time are we living in as a church? Then we need to rise up and become the hard people that we need to be. I saw a meme a few weeks ago. I think I shared it when I saw it. It said, some of you all be praying for, be telling David to pray for Goliath. But that's not what God had David do with Goliath, is it? We are living in tough times. It's our job right now, no matter where God has placed you, to be the voice, like a John the Baptist, like a Joseph, to be telling people about Jesus. Right? If the Bible told you that Christ would be returning soon, would you be making preparation for this? I'm asking a rhetorical, silly question. If the Bible told you that Christ would be returning soon, would you be making preparations for it? Well, then why aren't you? Because the Bible already told us he's coming back. And the Bible's already told us what the last times would look like. They look like yesterday. But what are you doing to prepare? Are you telling everybody about Jesus? Because you know when Jesus left, you know what he said when he left? He was getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he was like, and the disciples were like, Jesus, what do you want us to do? And he was like, I want you to go to church, praise my name, and don't break the Ten Commandments. Remember he said that? That's right. That's not what he said. Go out into the world and tell everyone about me and make disciples of every nation. Amen? Amen. So why aren't you telling anybody? Chris, I did. I was having a conversation with another believer at work the other day, and I'm pretty sure the guy in earshot doesn't believe. I don't know what he believes, but we were talking about God. Does that count? I don't think so, man. Nice try. I get your heart. But that sounded like a fear. Because what if God said, well, did you tell the guy about me? Mike, did you tell that guy about me? Or did you expect him to get it through osmosis of hearing you? We got to tell everybody, you guys. What does the Bible say? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, comma, you will be saved. So what we need to do is we don't need to have a conversation with this guy who we know is a believer so we feel comfortable enough to talk about Jesus at the moment because this guy's over here and you know he can hear. We need to go to this guy and let him know that if he confesses the name of Jesus and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, he'll be saved too. So what are we doing? You know what Moses told God when God said, I'm going to send you to do this? He was like, I can't do it. I'm not a good speaker. Don't pick me. I, I st- 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 stutter. I don't know. Whatever his... Imp- whatever his ailment was that he didn't want to speak. But he didn't want to go. You remember Jonah? 
Jonah went the other way. These are people in the Bible. You're not in the Bible yet. What are you doing? What are we doing? If somebody comes to you and says, I'm experiencing something in my life, and I don't know how to explain what's going on, are you brave enough to tell them that God is shaking their world for a reason and that God is trying to get their attention because this is what God wants to do with your life? That's what Joseph is going to do today with Pharaoh. That is what Joseph is going to do with the President of the United States. Unafraid. Unafraid. Let's get in the scripture. I know you all want to go have lunch and watch football. <laughs> what happened? Oh, okay, yeah, let's get going, Chris. Then it came to pass, Genesis 41. Hey, uh, just so you all know, when you leave today, you're going to go that way, and you're going to go left, and you're going to cut through that parking lot and cut yourself out onto Civic Center Plaza and go out back to Highway 20. That's your safe way out of here. Okay. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Wow, God, I've been in prison for two years. No, you've been in prison longer than that. Two, this is two years since those guys got released after the dreams. Then, after, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. I got a lot of reading to do. I'm going to go through it quick. You guys ready? I'm a fast talker. That Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat. And they fed up in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up. They, fed in the, they came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt. And stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Mm. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So... Pharaoh awoke, and indeed, it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. I like that. And he sent and called for all his senators and governors and the house. Yeah, I'm kidding. And he called and he sent for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew, a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. 
and he shaved. Purified. He shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Because when he came out of prison, he looked like Forrest Gump had been running across the country four times. Most likely. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. Who can interpret it? But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt. Such ugliness I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them. For they were just as ugly at the begin, as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up and one stalk, full and good. And then behold, seven heads withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them, and the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one that could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are, the seven, are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. Wait, COVID, man, that was a crazy economic year for everybody. It was great. It really was. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will deplete the land, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following. That's how bad it's going to be. That's how bad it was. It was going to be so bad that it was going to be so great, but the bad was going to look so bad you would never know it was great. You will forget how great it was. It will be that bad. That's what happened in this story. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. And God will shortly bring to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store them up Store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that that food shall be a reserve for the land of the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. Done. Finish the rest of that chapter next week. <laughs> okay. Now I'll go through these notes pretty quickly here. But you guys see what's happening here? You know when Joseph is saying this? Let, God, let, let Pharaoh appoint somebody. Trust me, he's in prison. He doesn't think he's going to be the guy. He's just telling Pharaoh this is what you need to do. He has no expectations here. 
Do you make expectations? On people, places, and things? You know what I love about expectations? They will always let you down. They will always let you down. The father I grew up with, we didn't have a good relationship. And I remember telling a mentor friend of mine one time, I said, you know, I'm cool, I forgive him, we're all good. You know, I stand at the line of reconciliation, like I'm waiting for that day that he just comes and he says, hey, you know what, I was never a good person. I don't know how to be a good dad, I'm a very selfish person. I could tell him I understand, I went through some of the same struggles, we're good, it's good. And he says, you just created an expectation and when that never happens, you're going to be let down. I said, wow, thought I had that figured out. Wrong. 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 Expectations. Joseph had no expectations. He was just doing what God had told him to do. In season or out of season, Joseph was always ready to speak the truth of God, no matter what was happening in his life. Is that what you do when everything's not looking good in your life? Is that what we do? Sometimes. I don't know what happened. I had this thing planned. We were going to take the kids to Disneyland. We've been planning this trip. I saved up all this money. And one week before we were going to go, I slipped off this curb because I went to help this person. And I twisted my ankle. And now I'm on crutches. I don't think I can go. You know, you should praise God for that. Really. Is that how we see things? No. Why? We just don't. So Joseph is not expecting anything here. He's not expecting anything good to come out of this for himself. He's just speaking the truth that God gave him to Pharaoh. He's been pulled out of prison and gone all the way up to the highest supreme court and said, God, is this is what God's going to do to this land. Number one, God used two dreams, dose, two dreams to elevate Joseph from the misery of prison to the splendor of the Pharaoh's court. You see, next week, Joseph's going to get lifted up in a way, in a place that he never would have found at home. He's going to rise up to be the right-hand power of Pharaoh next week. Next week, next week. Bullet point A, Joseph had proven himself faithful to God and therefore what? Fit for service. Is that what God says about you? But Chris, I got Jesus. That was Old Testament. This is New Testament. Yeah, I got all that. I didn't ask if you were saved. I asked you if God finds you fit for service. Jeffrey Dahmer gave his life to Jesus before he died. He did. Are you fit for service? Joseph had proven himself faithful to God and therefore fit for service. In season or out of season, no matter what happened in the life of Joseph, he was faithful to what God told him and showed him. And he just continued to keep going. Pharaoh... Pharaoh's two dreams had caused him great distress. Two. Lots of twos here this week, guys. Pharaoh's two dreams had caused him great distress. None of the politicians of Egypt could explain them. I'm sorry, that doesn't say politicians. That says none of the wise men. 
Get out and vote this week, everybody. Tuesday's your day. Nobody here cares who you vote for. We want you to vote with your heart because we know that you love Jesus. That's all I'll ever say. But get out and vote because everybody's vote counts. Pharaoh's two dreams had caused him great distress. None of the wise men of Egypt could explain them. God used an Israelite slave to uncover the mysteries of Egypt. God took the most unlikely person in the land of plenty to tell them what was going to happen there. God lifted that guy up from a low place to tell people about Jesus. Not the guy you would think. Joseph, my favorite part, Joseph was not forgotten by the cupbearer. Remember last week he thought he was forgotten. But he said, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. He didn't forget about him. He just didn't want to give him any credit. Because if somebody came to you and said, hey, you had a weird dream last night. In three days, the mayor is going to call your house and lift you up in front of the city. Don't you think if that happened, you'd want to tell somebody that somebody just told you that? But this guy didn't. Three days later, like he forgot. He didn't forget. He didn't want to give him the credit. That guy had just gotten out of jail. He didn't want to do anything to screw that up. Hey, let me start talking some weird prophecy stuff. There's a Hebrew in there who just told me all this was going to happen. Thank you, Pharaoh. Off with his head. Weirdo. You know? I, I, you don't know. There was a reason he didn't say anything. The cupbearer told Pharaoh of Joseph's gift and ability to interpret dream, dreams. He had not forgotten about him. It was now the opportune time for the cupbearer to speak the truth of what God had done for him. It was now the opportune time. That's not in your notes. He was summoned from prison, cleaned, and shaven, as was the Egyptian custom. Couldn't go before Pharaoh looking like that. Cannot look like Forrest Gump and go before Pharaoh. He declared the interpretation was from God alone. He did not take credit. You're being pulled out of prison. Don't you want to like, be like, yeah, man, I'm God's guy. I got you. What was your dream? Let me tell you all about it. I'm special. No, he did not do that. He just said, what you're going to hear is from God and God alone. This is what it means. And he told him something that was a hard truth. Things are going to be great here for seven years. But then it's going to be so bad for you and your people that you'll forget it was ever good. Who says that when you just came out of prison? And they clean you up and shave you and put you in front of Pharaoh. When you go to Pharaoh with a bad report like that, I hear Alice in Wonderland. Off with his head. It's the truth. Think. Think. What did Pharaoh do to the chief uh, baker? He killed him. On his birthday. That was his present. Okay? Why is this happening? Don't know, but it's good. I don't know. Not for the, not for the, not for the baker. Okay. He reiterated this conviction by establishing what God was about to do through all the lands. The interpretation is God alone. And then he said to him this, 
this is what God wants Pharaoh to know he is going to do. Did you catch that? God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. He reiterated this conviction by establishing what God was about to do through all the lands. Pick up on that. Number four, both dreams predicted seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Bullet point five. Bouncing here. Everything came in twos. Not sevens. Twos. Joseph explained that two versions of the dream signified it was from God and going to happen soon. That's what he said. He said you had two dreams because God was establishing that that's what it was and that it's going to happen soon. Joseph had his own two dreams. Joseph had been imprisoned twice. Once by his brothers and sold to the Ishmaelites and now in Egypt. He'd been imprisoned twice. Then what happened? We'll go to two again. There were the two dreamers in prison. The chief baker and the chief butler. Two. And now Pharaoh has two dreams. Everything in this story about the dreams and the interpretations came in pairs. Everything came in twos. See, one time things happen, you're like, yeah, that could be coincidental. But when things happen twice, God is establishing this. This is what God wants you to know is going to happen. This is what God wants you to see in twos. God's revelation required and demanded a response. Did it not? Here's what's going to happen. Here's my suggestion of what you should do to be prepared. Here's my suggestion of what you should do to be prepared. Joseph advised Pharaoh to choose a wise man who would oversee storing of the grains. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for the world to financially fall apart around you? Are you prepared for Christ to return today? Are you prepared to die today? The Bible makes it very clear that there's one true God and creator and that he gave his son on the cross and he raised him up three days later and that the only way to salvation to him is through the son. It's very clear. Are you prepared? Bullet point B, last one. Wise literature, this scripture, teaches us that wisely planning ahead is a basic principle of practical living. Are you prepared for what may or may not come? I didn't say go dig a ditch in your backyard and put one of those things in the ground and get prepared for a holocaust and a war and a nuclear war. I didn't say that. But are you prepared for that? Everything's really ugly over there with Russia and Ukraine. We don't know, we don't know when the United States is going to decide to stick our nose in there. Because that's what we do. We don't know. We don't know. That was everything I had.
Are you prepared? Have you given your life to Christ? If you died today and you stood before God and you said, Lord, I did all these things in your names, in your name, would he look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, or I never knew you? Go away from me. What would he say about you? What would he say about you? There came a time in my life where everything that God did was more than twos. And God himself made himself very, very, very real to me. And for me to deny the existence of God would be a slap in his face. Anybody here have logical, deep, common sense thinking? Yes, I do. And all that equated into what God has shown me and done in my life more than once, a lot of times twice, and sometimes more than that, it would be a slap in his face to deny the existence or to say, well, that was just circumstantial. That was a coincidence. <clears throat> because if I didn't believe, I would also be able to say there is no such thing as coincidence, would I not? Therefore, there is a such thing as coincidence. It's because everything in this world happens for a reason, and there is a God and creator in control of everything. If we were just a few feet further away from the sun, this planet would be too cold to live on. If we were just a few feet closer, it'd be too hot. But it's like the porridge, it's just right. And God put us right where he put us to make it just right. And God prepared this planet for us. He did everything in Genesis when he created this place. And everything he said, this is good. And on the last day of creation, he put us here. If you stood before God today, are you prepared for that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church family, Lord. I thank you for our heart, Lord. I thank you for our worship today, Lord. That music was off the hook. Lord, I was getting fired up. Lord, I just thank you that you give us a heart to worship, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here in this room who does not know you, Lord, that they open up your word, Lord, and they look at John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, and I hope that after they see that and they read that, that they go and they say to themselves, that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God did raise him from the dead, and I just hang on that hope, I will be saved. Lord, if there's anybody here who hasn't prayed or thought those things, Lord, I pray that you put it in their heart to do that today, Lord. If anybody here has listening to me say these things and you want to come up and talk to me about it later and make sure that you did it right, come up and see me after. Lord, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this heart, Lord. I thank you for our church. We pray for growth in 23, Lord. Bring us people who do not know you, Lord. Give us the courage to invite somebody, Lord, and say, look at what Jesus is doing in my life. There is a God. There is one true God and creator. 
Come to church and learn about him. The time is short, Lord, and we know that. And we know that we have a mission at hand. And we have a purpose, Lord. And we didn't show up in this room today by accident. So, Lord, I pray that you let those who wonder if they're here by accident today know that they are not here by accident, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for everybody here. I pray traveling mercies for them on their way home. Lord, I pray for everybody that's going on, everything that's going on in this festival, Lord God, that you make yourself known there as well, Lord. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.